All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves thanks for joining us here nice friday episode valentine's day is behind us tim you look very happy did you did you say you're my valentine to anybody tim loves it when i bring up his uh dating life no i was laughing because you said good morning even though it's one in the afternoon because you went to bed at like what 10 a.m and then slept for an hour and then had four cups of coffee and now we're recording is that about accurate i play all night baby i play all <laughs> night sleep all day it's my life now. I'm uh, just a night owl. No, I was in Chicago again. I caught the Pittsburgh Penguins, Chicago Blackhawks game. Very exciting. Connor Bedard came back. Everybody was all really, really pumped for that because I didn't realize when he's been gone, they've been averaging 1.4 goals per game over the last 14 games. <laughs> it's just atrocious. Even with him in the lineup, they're last in the league, 2.3. With him out is 1.4. Like imagine, imagine oh, going into the game. We got to pitch a shutout if we're going to win. That's the only way we're winning this game. Last night they got two. They got beat by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby had a heck of a game. Guy looks doesn't look a day over 30. His genetics are incredible. He was just buzzing around the ice. I wonder if he gets. Do you think these the older crew of players in the NHL, the Stamkos, the Ovechkins, the Crosbys. Did they take it as a challenge when they play these younger kids who are supposed to be the next up and coming crop? Crosby's like, oh, you, I was your favorite player growing up. You looked up to me and now you're going to take my spot. Guess guess what? I'm going to bury two on you and make you look terrible. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they take that personal. I, I don't know if all the guys do it, but I bet Crosby does. You know, like, I yeah. don't think Ovechkin or Giroux or Stamkos or whoever else necessarily does it, but I bet Crosby does just because he's got like that Tom Brady mentality, that level of competition. And um, even like McKinnon probably does or he will as he gets older. So, yeah, I could see that he stepped up for that game. You think Tom Brady was the ultimate competitor? That's strange. I would have gone Michael Jordan. Both of them. They had the same mentality. I don't hold Tom Brady up at all on any pedestal. I think he was a system quarterback. Oh, come on. Are we doing this today? Let's not. Well, the one year he was out, who was the quarterback who took over? Jimmy Garoppolo. And he just mirrored Brady's numbers. No, Matt Castle was way before Jimmy Garoppolo. It was like 2012. Didn't Jimmy come in when Tom got hurt one year? 
for, for like three games for the deflate gate suspension. He didn't play. And he, he played lights out. So I just feel like any quarterback could have, could have <laughs> been plugged even... into that system. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you bet on it then? Where you look, I'm not going to go to get better just yet because I want to, I want to talk about a Patrick Mahomes who has zero weapons and he just is so incredibly good. I think Mahomes we, is we way better than already. Way better than Tom Brady ever was. So we'll find out. That. Anyways, yeah. If if I were to bet on it, I would do it through the Give Better app. And you can do it too. You can be just like Tim and I. It's very easy to do. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG, download the app, get yourself a chance to win a hundred dollars for free till the end of February. Tim and I have it here. We're gonna do the stadium series. Tim, do you have your app pulled up? We're gonna do a little live pick for the second stadium series game. Let's it's the it. New Jersey Devils versus the Philadelphia Flyers. The first game is the Rangers versus the Islanders. Nobody likes those teams. Poor. Speaking of Rangers, they just cannot get out of their own way injury-wise. Blake Wheeler goes down today. Another tough leg injury for that team. Capo, Capo Caco earlier this year. Just one thing after the other. These guys can't seem to stay healthy. But anyways, back to give better. I'm going to pull it up right now. It's super easy. It's very user-friendly. You just go, you click on it. There's Jesper Bratt. It says, oh, is he going to get one and a half points in the stadium series? That's a tall task, one and a half points. Is, is it two points. goals? Fantasy points. So it's yeah. it takes into account everything. Jesper Bratt's been playing pretty well lately. I'm going to go over, Tim. I think that the Devils are going to have a pretty good game. What do you think on Jesper Bratt? I'm going the over as well. If he scores a goal or gets a couple of assists, he gets those two points. He can do it other ways too. So he's a he's a yeah. I'm going over. And then the next one is the the newly minted captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, Sean Couturier, Mister Do It All. Injured for the last few years, having a solid comeback year this year. Twentieth captain of franchise history. We'll touch on that in a little bit. He's also at one point five points. What are your chances of him getting one and a half, Tim? I'm going to skip over Coots. I don't. I don't. I don't feel good about this pick. If, I, if you don't like a player, you can just skip to the next one, and I'm going to go Swipe ahead. Swipe to the left. The next yeah, one's Joel on. Faraby, 0.5. I don't even know. I think everybody would get 0.5 points. Joel Faraby is definitely going to get half a point, don't you think, Tim? Yeah, they, they must have uh, they projected low low stats, maybe because it's an outdoor game. The puck's not as good. There's not going to be as many goals, but I like Faraby a lot. I'm going to go with the over there as well. And then right, right next to him is Luke Hughes. Once in the running for the call, they're not so much anymore. I think Faber and Bedard have taken that mantle and run with it. But Luke Hughes coming in, only 0.5 points. I think he gets some power play time. He's a good defenseman. I I could see him getting a sneaky second assist where he just dishes it off to somebody and they go coast to coast and he gets gets an assist that way. So I'm going over for Luke Hughes, Tim. I don't know what you're thinking, but the guy's getting 0.5 for sure. I'm going to go with the over as well. I think we're going to see a nice little connection between Luke and Jack. Did you see Jack last night talking to Arvidsson yeah. in the penalty box? Giving it to him. One of People the most money. devastating chirps to come back from. People pay money to see me. They don't know who you are. And Arvidsson's a good player. It takes a special ilk to be able to say that to Victor Arvidsson. I got I got all those beaks all the time. Like It, it, was, it was hard for me to come back from those types of chirps. But I like that from Jack Hughes. A little feistiness. Good for I like the kid. And so I think he's going to do very well on the stage and he'll uh, he'll have a nice moment with his brother somehow. So I'm going to go with the over for Luke. Well, I feel like it's the, the frustration is mounting. It's building in New Jersey. The, this season has just not gone at all as they had planned. And you can see it. Jack Hughes, usually very happy, very quiet player. 
like yelling, Tim yelling, going into the penalty box. The guy never gets penalties. So this something needs to give there. I, I don't know what needs to happen, but like a, a, a coaching change, something needs to happen with the New Jersey Devils. All right, the next one, Travis Konechny. Having a solid year for the Philadelphia Flyers, one and a half points. I like his pitcher. They got him with the no bucket. Almost looks like a Simone Gagne-esque type player there. What do you think? Are you going to – I might skip Travis Konechny a little bit. What are you doing? Um, One and a half. I'm going to go on the under on this one. I pick Farabee to do the over. I think it's going to be a Farabee game and not a Konechny game. So, Because I, I don't want to go over on everyone because you just get excited. And, you know, they're. I'm going to go with under. All right, I'm going to go the next one. We got, um, what do we got? I've just been sliding left and right here. I'm already at Cam York, a defenseman for the Philadelphia Flyers at .5. I have no idea who this cat is, so I'm going under. I think he has a garbage game. Then we got, we're back to Jesper Bratt. So they give you like 10 picks to go through. I'm back to Sean Couturier. Dawson Mercer, Tim. What do you think, .5? It's got to be over, right? I, I need two more picks here. I'm skipping. I have one more, and I know who I'm doing. So I'm going to go right to Tyler, Tyler Toffoli. What it's going to be doing a playoff-like atmosphere. He's going to step up. He'll have a goal, I bet. So at .5, that's an easy, easy over for me. So absolutely. That's an easy over, too. I'm going Tyler Toffoli also over, and I'm going to go down on Sean Couturier. One and a half. I don't think he does anything. I'm going under on Sean Couturier. I got my picks. I got Farabee, Hughes, Toffoli all over. York and Couturier under. I click confirm. And I'm going to win $100. So that's as easy as it as it takes. You just have some fun with it. You swipe left, swipe right, swipe up, swipe down. It's it's so easy to use. And at the end of the day, it's for a good cause. Give better. It's responsible social gambling, sports gambling, excuse me. If you win, they're going to give $100 to charity. When this rolls out in the real world and you're betting your own money, if you lose, 25% of it goes to charity. If you win, you get a whole 100% kickback. So it's it's a very good system. Check it out. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Win yourself a free $100 right now. And uh, it does us a little favor. All right, moving on, Tim. What are we talking about next? Oh, I'm, I'm adjusting my well, chair. Excuse me. Just a quick question. You talked about you were in Chicago last night. Bedard was back. How did he look? I saw the one assist that he had. Did he feel like he was at 100%? Was he struggling a little bit? How, how was he? He looked fine. I, I was impressed by his motor, his engine. He didn't look out of place the first period. He was moving just fine. He's 18. Like You don't have to get the game shape going. By the way, reports are coming out of Abbotsford that Phil's sucking wind. Like Just uh, looking a little slow and old after like half of the practice. So... Not good, you know. <laughs> we'll see. Phil was never known for his conditioning, but he was a quick little player, so hopefully you can, you know, get back up to speed. But when you're, what is he, 35, 36, 37? Takes a little bit of time to get back up to speed, apparently. So, But anyways, Bedard was fine. What I liked about him, he was shooting the puck from everywhere. Playing fantastic. He was led the team in ice time, I believe, at the end of the game. He was hovering around the 20-minute mark going into the third period, but he just he, he has no one to play with. So it's just tough. He needs to do it all himself. He he facilitates and creates all the plays, and he has to score them. So it's it's a tough, uh, tough, tough pill for an 18-year-old kid, Tim. Well, even though he missed all these games, he's still first in the league among rookie scoring, one point ahead of Brock Faber. But now that he's healthy, he's going to start to pull away again. And I think it's a good thing for the league because, like, part of me likes to see the underdog or lesser-known players, like, win these awards. But even going back to the All-Star thing, like Matthews wins the award, 
McDavid wins the skills competition. Bedard's going to win the the rookie of the year. Like it is just better for the league when the best players do these things. So um, I think, I think most likely he'll start to pull away and he'll be number one for sure. Yeah. Although, and here, here's an interesting question. Brock Faber, he could pan out to be an Adam Fox type player. Like he is that good for the Minnesota wild right now playing north of 25 minutes a night night in and night out if you're building a team tim who would you take again if you had to do a redraft of this team of this draft class I, like, Come on. how do you overlook a, a puck moving fleet-footed defenseman who can play against the other team's top line who can eat up 25 minutes a night and oh yeah he puts up some points too i i don't know if he's that far away from a Connor bedard honestly at this point in the season, Faber has just opened my eyes to how good he is. He's still good, but let me ask, I'm going to flip this around on you. This is a question we asked on social this week. Who would you rather have as a, as a defenseman to build around? Faber or Mo Sider? Now, Mo Sider's been in, the, this is the third year in the league, but he's only one year older because he, he came in at 18. Yeah. Which one would you rather build around? Faber. Really? I, Faber. I thought for sure you'd say Sider because of the size. And you know, that's, that the was the size thing is, you know, 10 years ago, man, 15 years ago, Mo Sider. I feel like the size of the defenseman means nothing anymore. I feel like forwards are getting smaller. They're getting more agile and quicker, and you need that defenseman who's able to keep up. And that's just a small part of the equation. I think Faber's offensive upside is way better than Mo Sider's. And Mo's is good. Like he's He's got good hands for a big guy. He can move the puck. He jumps up in the play. He lays devastating hits. It's the offensive upside that you love from a Brock Faber. And I, I don't see a lot of defensemen having those types of talents as, as strange as it is like the, the way the game has gone the last 10, 15 years, you still aren't getting those types of defensemen year in and year out. It's, it's hard to come across guys like that. And if you have one, you have to keep it. Like, why is there no Kale McCars? Why is there no more Adam Fox types? You you figure you would pick a, a forward from a team who's like a second-line center and say, you're playing defense for the rest of your career. You're going to be a puck-moving defenseman. That's it. It hasn't happened. So when you get those guys, you hold on to them. You hold on to them as, as tight as you can, Tim, but you don't let go. You don't let go. Jack, don't let go, Jack. Yeah, I mean, you can't Name lose that movie. Way. The Titanic. Boom. Nice. Leonardo DiCaprio. I thought you were doing a uh, Billy Madison thing. Stay here. Stay as long as you can. He's oh, yeah. He's shaking face. the kid's face, his fat face. That was a funny point of that movie. All right. We got some good news coming from up north. Houghton, Michigan. Michigan Tech University's Blake Pietala, four-year starter for the team. He has been named the CCHA Student Athlete of the Year. Given annually, it's pretended to obviously the best student athlete performed consistently as a member of the hockey team, but also showing outstanding everything else, sportsmanship, um, progress towards his degree, leadership, community service, all that great stuff, an all-encompassing, positive, cultural, just guy. And that's Blake Pietla. The guy's done it every single year. He's married, too. Very rare to see a college guy get married. So he's he's a good goalie. I watched him at uh, the GLI when he just shut down the Michigan State Spartans in that final game, and he was playing lights out. I think he had something like 60 to 70 saves, and I'm not over jazzed. Tim, you you left. You were already on your way home, but he played lights out that game. But, yeah, good for Blake. I was never um, 
Never up for that award. <laughs> no, never that surprises got it. me. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm the shocked. on ice stuff was there. On ice stuff was there. Off ice, not a real pillar of the community during my time in college. Now, lights out. Like I, I would win that now. But anyways, moving on. Some good news coming out of Columbus. Yarmo Kekalainen has been finally relieved of his duties for the Columbus Blue Jackets. A long time coming, if you ask me, and a lot of people around the NHL and a lot of Columbus Blue Jackets fans. Very frustrated with Yarmo. No direction for this team. Goes out, signs Johnny Gaudreau, brings in Patrick Laine, and then what else do we do? We have an aging defense. He brings in Good Branson for some reason. No clue what he's thinking with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I think it was a long time coming. He's been there a long time. He's done a lot of good things. Done a lot of questionable things. One of the few GMs who just goes out there and makes things happen. Doesn't sit on his hands. He's very active, much like a Jim Rutherford, much like a Brad Trevealing. They go and make moves. Julian Breezeball in Tampa Bay. These are the guys who are on the phone consistently. But now he's gone. He's, he's out of Columbus. He's worn out as welcomes him. What did you think about this? Just expected? Maybe a little bit too late for this team? Well... Yeah, expected. Like we knew this was coming and, and it was a long time coming. And like you said, when you've been around for as long as you have, it's not like it's it's only downs. You know what I mean? Like he's made a lot of good moves. He's drafted a lot of good players, had a lot of good signings, trades. Obviously, the famous one is probably his best trade is trading Brandon Saad for Artemi Panarin. Like that was just mm-hmm. an incredible trade in retrospect. And then a couple of years later, he lets Panarin walk for nothing, you know, so. Um, but I think some of the moments and, you know, this is one of the things I struggle with, especially with the Bruins going back to to the Sorelli days is like when the play, when you, when you win, the players get all the credit. And when you lose the GMs get most of the blame for like not getting more pieces and not adding more depth or whatever. Um, and so I, you know, I want to talk about a couple of wins that really stand out to me that obviously he wasn't on the ice for, but you have to give him some credit for. And the first is that first round upset over the, the lightning in 20, was it 2018? Um, or 1918, um, which is just amazing, right? A sweep, just incredible. Changed the whole Lightning franchise to turn them around. And then during the bubble, they beat the Leafs in that little playing round. And that was just great for me personally. So um, like a lot of things, you know, have come in well uh, during his tenure, but it was time to move on. And like the owner said, it was it was a hard decision, but we need some fresh perspective and, and uh, we're moving on in a new direction. Yeah, uh, perfectly said, Tim. I think it was time to go. He's outworn as welcome, but he'll, he'll he'll catch on somewhere else, much like all the other guys do. He'll be an advisor or a, a senior, this and that official. He'll do something somewhere else in the league. He's a very talented guy. For as much as I, you know, rip on him a little bit for the questionable decisions he's made, he's won some games in this league, and you, and you can't fault him for that, and he was aggressive, and I don't know, good for him. Yeah, he had a good run. But I think he started to go a little sideways near the end. Do you think he was panicking signing Johnny Gaudreau? I feel like that was a, a huge misstep. I don't know why they bring him in. They were they were subtly embracing a rebuild. You, you tiptoeing the line with line A, maybe getting rid of him. You bring him in for Dubois. He was trying to revamp on the fly, but the Gaudreau thing I think was a huge misstep. Yeah, it felt like it at the time, too, because as talented as Johnny is, he's not like the guy to take a bad team and make them a good team. You know, he's not that level of difference maker. He's still like a good team and make it a better team. And he'll he'll bring out more of like uh, of his yeah, teammates like he did with Lindholm and Kachuk. But he's not the one who's turning your franchise around. And so the the Blue Jackets just were not close enough to be competitive 
to to think that this was going to be a good deal. So I don't know why they made it. In retrospect, it doesn't look that good. So John Davidson takes over. He's been the team president for forever, as long as I can remember. It's an open vacancy for a GM. In your eyes, because I I, I doubt they'll hire a new GM for the, the stretch run, maybe for the deadline, because they have a, some important decisions coming up at the deadline, what they're going to do with this roster. They have a lot of RFAs. They have a couple UFAs. Is this a desirable job, or is this a job where you're just going to be a fill-in and then you'll be fired in three years because this team will struggle for the for the foreseeable future. I think it is a desirable job because it's sort of a blank canvas in some ways, but you have so much young talent like Fantilli, obviously, but Kent Johnson's 21, Marchenko, Cole Sillinger, Baronkov, like these guys are all 21, 19, 22. On the back end, you have some depth. And you also have that kid, Jerichek, down that that was sent down to Cleveland like like two weeks ago. Um, so there's a lot of young talent on this group that you can kind of build around and, and form a new identity. So if I'm a GM looking for a long-term project, I feel like this is going to be a good a good spot for that, especially that you can do it relatively out of the spotlight because you're not going to get the pressure that comes with some of the bigger cities too. So I think I think it's a good job. I don't know. What do you think? I, like there's only 32 jobs, right? Yeah. So you can't turn it down. I, I don't know who out there would turn down a job to be a general manager for a hockey team. You got to be pretty, uh, pretty so- solid in your, in your talents to be like, yeah, you know, I'm good. But I, I, I think, I think I agree with you, but it's just owners are so fickle. They want to win. And if like, I don't see this team winning anytime soon, I really don't. They have some decent talent up front, but it's just, it's not anything scary. And their defense is, I think their defense is, is bad. Right, I, I think Provorov is okay. Warinsky is great, but then after that, I don't know. Like Boquist Peak, I guess they're all right. I don't know. But if, if I had, yeah. if I had a choice between this and another team, I would probably choose the other team, unless it was like Arizona or or something where I know I'm going to be handcuffed with money I can spend. At least Columbus, they do spend money when they think they have a chance to win. So Yarmo spent a ton. All right, moving on. Yeah. Unfortunate news for the Pittsburgh Penguins: Jake Gensel. Put on the IR out four weeks, Tim. Trade deadline, three weeks away. What do we do here? Obviously, negotiations for a long-term extension with him came to a halt. He said, no, he's not taking. I think they were offering $10.5 million for eight years. He said, no, I'm worth more than that. Rightfully so. The guy is one of the most consistent goal scorers that we've seen in the NHL over the last five years. Even when he's not running shotgun to Crosby, the guy still produces. So he was testing the open market. Pittsburgh wants to get some return on him, rightfully so. They were going to trade him. What happens to his trade value now? This is an unknown commodity. He's on the IR. How is he going to respond to his treatment? What's wrong with him, Tim? His ankle, was it? No, it's upper body because he missed uh, most of the the end of the uh, Panthers game the other night. And then he didn't play last night. So it's upper body something. I don't know if they released the details of it. Um, yeah, it's I don't it's going it. to be one of those uh, it's going to be one of those things. It, what does Pittsburgh do? They are in second last in the Metropolitan, or now third last. They they leapfrogged Washington last night with the big win over the Chicago Blackhawks. They're still a, a ways away from a wild card position, but they have they have a team built for the playoffs. This is not a team where you can just rebuild. They have to win now. What do the Penguins do? Kyle Dubas, first first tenure with the Pittsburgh Penguins, wants to put a stamp on this team, doesn't want to come in and not make the playoffs for two consecutive years, brings in Eric Carlson. This is your prize piece here, Jake Gensel. 
you've re-upped all the old cats. Crosby, Latang, Malkin, these guys are signed for a few more years. What do you do with this is a big deal for him, Tim. What does he think? What do you what are your thoughts on Jake Gensel? Well, I don't think this injury impacts his trade value too much because Gensel, you, you're bringing him in for the playoffs. You know what I mean? And if he's if he's still technically on the IR and rehabbing whatever he's got going on mm-hmm. in three weeks at the deadline, I don't think any GMs are scared of that. Um, I tweeted this out a little bit if you know a few days ago. I think whoever ends up paying and likely overpaying for him, and this is before the injury, this is before this came out, is going to regret it. And this is just, mm. just, just a um, a feeling I have. It's nothing. It's not based on. <laughs> I don't have the data to back it up, but it's just a sense I have that I don't think that he's going to be the answer to a lot of teams' problems, especially if you have to give up like two first round, which is reportedly the asking price. Um, and then the other the, the other side of this is like if, if you're Pittsburgh, what direction do you go? Because you can't rebuild. You don't even really have a time to like retool. You know, like your guys are old. Your core is old. Like your window is very very narrow. I know Crosby's playing very well, but it's it's still narrow. And it, and the, you know, so after the um, the Panthers game the other night, they lost four to one, I think. And everyone was talking about like time to blow up a team, time to get rid of everybody, time to trade Gensel, trade. Um, Riley Smith, trade Raquel, like see what you can get, get some picks, get some younger guys, refresh, retool, and redo the bottom six, et cetera. But your talk, your, your core is 38 years old. You know what I mean? So yeah. what, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't really understand, but again, it's not my job. It's, it's Dubas's job to figure that out. I, I do get where they're coming from because this team is in a position where they do have a lot of valuable pieces in their bottom six. Teams would definitely kick the tires on a Jeff Carter, a Lars Zeller, these types of players, a Riley Smith, a proven winner. They would be able to trade those guys and get some pretty good return. And if you throw Jake Gensel in the mix, just say you trade those four guys, get a bunch of draft picks, you still have Rust. You still have Malkin, Crosby. you got Carlson, Latang, Graves. You have a pretty good defense. So you could potentially shift it and make a run at it next year. But like you said, it's, it's your racing father time. Malkin and Crosby. Crosby's playing great. Malkin, I don't even know if he played last night. That's that's how invisible he looked to me. And I'm serious. And I watched the game. I was like, is, is Malkin playing? He's got 41 points in 51 games this year, you know, which is good, but not good for Malkin. This guy's a point-per-game guy. So I don't know. I think you trade Gensel at the end of the day, though. You have to make the prudent decision. You you have to assume that he's not coming back next year. He's going to want over $10, $11 million, and you can't throw that guy into the mix of all the salaries you're having right now with Crosby making 8.7, Malkin still making six. You got Ricard Raquel making five. You got Carlson making 10 for Pete's sake. So the numbers don't add up. And I think you do the smart decision. If you can get two first rounders for Jake Gensel, you, you trade him and you see what you can do next year. Then if he goes, I think the rest of the dominoes fall and you trade all those guys we just mentioned and you just try to start again next year. Carter's 39, Lars Eller's 34, and just regroup and try to get some fresh blood in there and maybe make another run with those old guys because you're, you're stuck with them. You're not going to move them. But what do I know? I'm not a GM. There's only 32 jobs left. Maybe I could be for Columbus. But moving on, Tim, what are we talking about next? Let's get some quick hits here going. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. Enter promo code NATION25, all capital letters. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change, terms may apply. 
Um, there's a guy that has been sneaking under the radar that we have not addressed, and it's time that we talk about it. It's time. Flipkowski over up in Montreal is currently on a seven-game point streak. He has 11 points during that stretch, and it's a pretty even balance between goals and assists. He surpassed Doug Wickenheiser for the longest point streak by a teenager in Canadian's history. He's got 29 points in 53 games this year. He's playing on the first line right now with Caulfield and Suzuki. Just lights out. He's just he's doing what they hope, taking a step probably sooner than a lot of us expected it. Um, not unlike Byfield and Lafreniere, although he's younger than those guys. So really cool to see him um, progress and, and prove some of the doubters wrong right now. Yeah, they, they need that in Montreal because they've just been really, really bad this year. And if, if he can somehow turn into, he was number one overall, like a very shocking first overall pick. That was a draft that was very, very forgettable. So if, if they can make something out of him, he, that'd be nice for the Montreal Canadiens because they need some, they need some punch in this offense. They have a lot of good players, not a lot of great players. Cole, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki are dynamite I, th- I think they're proven first line players and if you if Slikovsky can slide in along them that that's a pretty solid trio moving forward for this Montreal Canadiens team they, they can rely on those guys for the next five to ten years I think but good for him it's nice to see a kid struggle a little bit you know go through some growing pains and now he's sort of figuring out his game because remember when he came out he was being compared to a Yarm Yager. That's the type of game that this guy plays. He's not a burner. He's not going to rip up and down the ice. He controls the puck. He protects it. He uses his big body, and he's got a pretty sneaky shot. And I think he's showing that now. It takes a little bit more time, maybe, when when you have to learn the ice, learn the physicality of the NHL, and learn how your body works with these other guys. So good for him. I'm happy about this. Did you know I played for the Canadians, too? So I have a little bit of a rooting interest for the Montreal Canadiens, but good, good for your... Jureg Slikovsky. Was that, what, 40, 50 games you played for them? One game, probably six minutes. Still an alumni, though. though. No, I was dash one. Still an alumni. I still get invited to the alumni games. Is that the the only game you ever started? I think so. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you bring that up? (laughs) I don't know. What's what's your problem? Uh, <laughs> um, you, you talked about Torts being like not thinking much of you as a player and didn't want you there or whatever, didn't know you're coming. Which coach thought you were the best? And not just for fighting, but like who thought the highest of you as a hockey player? Joel Quinville. Or Ted Nolan from Buffalo. Both those guys gave me my biggest chances. They, 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 they utilized all my skill set. Smart coaches, like very, very smart. Someone looked up, I was doing a Hawks cast or Hawks game, and they looked up my highest time on ice, and it was with Quinville. I think I played 16 or 17 minutes. Smart. We had It was like a 4-2 win over a good team, and I was plus two. That's a close game. It was 16 minutes. It was a man. Nice. It used to be the so man. Right, what else? Hurt. Probably okay. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, cool little comment here from a friend of the show, Nikita Zadorov. Today, Junior. Today, Junior. He was suspended two games for the hit on Lucas Raymond. And this is what he had to say. He said, yeah, it was a bad hit. Completely missed him. It was clearly head contact there. He's like, yeah, two games is right. I deserve that. It was a bad hit. It's kind of cool. Usually you hear guys kind of grumbling about it, but I like his honesty. He's very honest. If there's one thing about Zadorov is that he says what's on his mind. He's got a touch of Ivan Drago, doesn't he? Two games well worth it. 
he, he's just like, yeah, it was a bad hit. Are you gonna are you gonna change the way you play, Nikita? Not a chance. No, it might happen again. I'm I'm gonna keep trying to bury guys. Just see him go after uh, who's the guy who did a, did the gritty for the Calgary Flames the other day. Yeah, so good. I love that. You you need more of that personality in the NHL. So Jake Wallman scores the penalty shot overtime shootout winner for the Detroit Red Wings. Does the gritty? First of all, I thought the gritty was from like two three years ago, wasn't it? It probably started. I don't know where it came from. Isn't that Fortnite, the one where maybe. you put it over your eyes and you go down? Yeah. So stupid. So incredibly dumb. So he does the gritty for whatever reason after the last goal of the shootout. He scores it. Good for him. The capital, the Canucks play them a week later, and then Zadorov does the gritty back to him. But he does it in a mocking way. It's so great. If you haven't seen the video, it's just fantastic. The, the Canucks are up 4-1, to one and they're just dominating the game, and Wallman's trying to chirp somebody, and Zadorov comes in, and he's just like, Oh, you're cool, Mr. Gritty. It's just so funny. Good for him. He he is one of the bright spots in the NHL right now for me, Nikita Zadorov. And he was on our show, so good for him. All right, I mentioned this earlier, Tim. Sean Couturier named the 20th captain of the franchise history for the Philadelphia Flyers. This is this is a prototypical torts captain, right? He had Boone Jenner. He had Ryan Callahan. And now he's got Sean Couturier forwards who just do it all block shots can put up points just will run through the wall for their coach and i think sean couturier fits all of those molds and he's a perfect guy for john totorella and good for couturier injured who knows his his future what's what it's going to hold he battles back and he's playing great now he's a captain that's a big deal taking over for claude Giroux. pretty pretty cool good for him anything to say on that tim no, it's a great pick. One of the more underrated players in the league, I think. We talked about him when he returned from injury earlier this year. I was kind of thinking, wondering if they would go with one of the younger guys, like the Konechnys and Farabees of the world, but I'm glad they went with Couturier. I saved this one for you next. What's what's the next one? Well, okay, so the Bruins now, they're on a little bit of a skid here. They have um, mm-hmm. they lost the Kraken last night. Ugly game. Not as bad as some of the others recently, but just not great. Not a great game. And the Bruins now, with that with that loss, have been dethroned from the number one spot in the Atlantic. They're tied with Florida, but Florida has more wins, so they have the tiebreaker. This is a spot they've held since October 17th of 2022. Not 23, over almost two years ago. Um, so this is tough. This is tough for us. And, you know, people are saying, well, they don't care as much about their regular season anymore. They're not playing for that. It's like, well, they're still trying to win every game. You know Damn, what I mean? Cause like, for concern. They've lost four of their last five. Yeah, and, and a lot of them are ugly. The one win in that five was just beautiful, that Vancouver game, but the others have been not good. And so I'm a little nervous. I'll say it. I'm a little nervous. They need they need some energy. They need to figure this out. And their the schedule's not getting any easier. They're playing an L.A. team who's struggling, who's going to be fired up to play them, but then they go Dallas, Edmonton, Calgary, who's playing great, beat them a week ago, 4-1, to one. Vancouver, Seattle, Vegas, Tim. This could be a rough month for the Boston Bruins. Maybe my bold prediction isn't so far off that they might not win a game the rest of the way. Okay, let's settle down. But but then you have to think of the implications for the playoffs because the one thing that does matter is the first round matchups, obviously. And if they don't, if they're playing a, like the Lightning or Toronto because of this, that's that's not good news for Boston's fans. So yeah, I'm a little bit nervous. I'll say it. Well, as it pans out right now, the the first wild card has a good chance of playing the first place team in the Atlantic. And right now, the first wild card holder is the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
So there's no way around it. The Bruins will probably get one of the Lightning or the Leafs in the playoffs. And if you're if you're the Bruins, which one would you rather have? I think you'd rather have the Leafs, right? You seem to have their number the last few years. You have to. You got to pick them, but it's not going to be easy either way. And I really don't want us, the Bruins, to be to lose to Toronto. God, I would hate that. <sighs> yeah, because in that division, I, I think the Panthers have asserted themselves as the dominant team. You know, they, they they were slow to start the season. The last two months, they've been absolutely lights out. They've been physical. They've been scoring goals. They've been all facets of the game. They've been really, really good. Now they're in first place. They're tied with Boston, but they're playing great hockey, Tim. I, I don't see them slowing down, whereas the Bruins, I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous about them. Like, let's let's fast forward and have this conversation at the end of the month. They could be close to a wild card spot. I know it's far-fetched. They're up by 10 points on the Leafs, but let's keep an eye on them this month. I, th- I think they're going to continue this skit. I really do. Cross your fingers. Yeah, maybe a good time for the – well, the Leafs are now 2-0 and without Morgan Riley. I saw a stat about them being like uh, all this uh, – I don't know, in the last two years or whatever, they're 16-2-1 without Morgan Riley in the lineup. No kidding. Like, dominant. That's a good that's- sample size. That's not like a, a small – That's that's enough to make you make you raise an eyebrow. Do we need this guy? Yeah, but I, I forget exactly what the length of time was, or whether it was two seasons or three or whatever. But um, they they also had a, a different looking defense in the last couple of years than they have right now. They need them more than they did two years ago. So true. All right, last one, Tim. Very an, uh, odd anomaly tonight for sports as far as TV programming go. There is only one professional game on tonight. No NBA, obviously no NFL. The Major League Baseball is not playing yet, so it's just just the NHL. And you know that Gary sees this. It's Friday night, prime time. We're going to pick two of the premier teams to go at it. We're going to have a chokehold on the ratings. We're going to have it on ESPN. We're going to have it on ESPN+. Plus. We're going to have it all over Canada. It's going to be Toronto, and it's going to be Edmonton, or it's going to be prime time, baby. No, 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 no. It's Carolina, Arizona. Carolina, Arizona, on a Friday night with no other competition. And I know this isn't Gary Bettman's fault. This is the the schedule makers and stuff like that. But my word. And guess what time that game's on, too. I'm guessing it's in Arizona. So it's going to be like a 930 start. Nine o'clock Eastern. Yeah. It's just boggles my mind. Like you, you sit there and complain, why can't we grow the game? Why can't we this and that? We're not really, you know, entrenching ourselves in this area, in this market. You have one stinking game on a Friday night when there's no other competition. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. But hey, it's going to get think- do- dozens of listeners and viewers. Do the schedule makers look at other leagues beyond just to see if they're using the arena at the same time? They don't look at like. I doubt it. They might look at like obviously when the football season is going on, they don't schedule games or try not to one o'clock on a Sunday because you're not going to beat a football team. But it's you have to do it sometimes. It's inevitable. You you try to you know miss all those big events, but yeah, he just even a Friday. Why not just like it's just you know the football season's over at this point. Maximize. Go out there. Put get four or five games. Make it like an event. Football's over. Hockey's still here. Check out the action Friday night. Carolina, Arizona. It's going to be crazy. We're playing at a college rink. 
It's going to be <laughs> wild. It's like so dumb. Yeah. Our logo's not at center ice because we can't afford an arena. You think you're watching an Arizona State Sun Devils game, but you're not. It's the Nine Arizona Coyotes. I'm getting ready for bed by that point. Oh, it's, uh, Tim, I'll be sleeping. It, but it's just par for the course with the NHL. So what, what more can you expect? What you can expect is dropping the gloves podcast to continue to put out fantastic content. Right, Tim? So thanks, everybody, for joining us. I hope we had a good week. We'll check you later on Monday. I got some fun stuff to talk about next week. I'm going back to Chicago on February 25th for a little banner raising game. I'm all jacked up about it. There's going to be celebrities coming out of my ears. It's going to be like the Super Bowl, but in Chicago. And I'm going to be rubbing elbows with all these jokers, Tim. I want I want you to come with me, but they don't let me have a guest. So it's just me. It'll be fun. You you should be your goal should be get, bring in a non hockey celebrity as a guest, like Jeremy Renner. Get him on the show or someone like that. That would be. We could fun. have had Jeremy Piven. He's still asking us to come on the show. <laughs> no, you wanted Jeremy to come to his show. Yeah. Oh, was that how it worked? I can't remember how it worked. Well, maybe we can get Michael Jordan. Now he would be a get. We can talk about North Carolina. Him and I. You know, Charlotte. He just sold his house. He's pretty much your best friend, him and Gronk. You guys are just have so much in common. <laughs> just the three of us. All right, everybody. Hope you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.